Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God and to stir within all of us a greater heart after God. That's my prayer for you. Now, my friends, since I became a Christian way back in 1981, I have always had a very deep desire for people to know God through a relationship with Jesus, the Savior of the world, God the Son. Do you have that relationship with Him? If you don't, today can be your best opportunity to have that relationship with Him, and I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to do just that at the end of this broadcast in just a short while. Now, there's another reason that I yearn for people to have a thriving relationship with God through Jesus, and that's because when we do, my friends, we are saved from sinful control, from sinful lifestyles, and the overall emptiness of the things of this world that cannot satisfy. They just can't. Let me illustrate it what I'm saying to you from by two quotes from uh, two brilliant men and thinkers. Augustine was one of the great theologians in the history of the church in the 400s. He was a bishop in North Africa. And he said this, you speaking about, really it's a prayer to God, but he wrote it. He said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Let me say that again. Augustine wrote, you, speaking to God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And then many, many centuries later, I believe it was in the 1700s, Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher and thinker and mathematician and inventor, said this in his book, uh, Penses or Pensees. I'm not sure how to pronounce it in French. He said that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God himself can fill. And that's not a direct quote. It's it's really an idea uh, that Pascal said that he wrote in that book. He again, just the idea is that there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God Himself can fill because we were created to know God. Now, in today's message entitled the cure for the idolatry of greed, part two, from Luke 
chapter 12 and verses 13 through 21, again, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Today's message, we're going to see how Jesus gives us the best way, and my friends, the only way to live, and that is through what he teaches and our response to that. Before we open up the Word of God, let's pray, and then we'll read the passage. Father, would you please open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us today. Help us to hear, help us to hunger and thirst for you, and seek you and search for you with all of our hearts. Let us receive the word gladly, eagerly, and Holy Spirit, would you, for those of us who are believers in Jesus, would you form him deeply and marvelously in our lives through your word and through the preaching of this message, and may it bring glory and honor to the Father and to the Son, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, Luke has told us in the passage before our passage today that Jesus was teaching his disciples, and besides or really beyond, the disciples were very large crowds. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a young man presumably interrupts Jesus, and that's where we pick up in verse 13, Luke chapter 12, verse 13, someone in the crowd, remember the crowd was thousands of people, they were stepping on one another, and that's in verse 1, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell, and in Greek, that's an order, can you imagine, this young man is, is commanding Jesus to do something that is a sinful thing, and that is to reward this man's greed. We're going to read that now. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, verse 15, then this would be to the two brothers, it would be to his disciples, and to the large crowds. And this is, this is a gripping, very sober warning. Beware. That is, watch out. Beware and be on your guard. That means to guard your hearts from anything that is sinful that could get inside. He says, beware, verse 15, and be on your guard against every form of greed. Now watch this, my friends, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Now the reality is that most people in the world are trying to accumulate more and more and more because they think that possessions, material things, are what satisfies the human soul, and they do not. This is what Jesus is teaching. And the wise man or the wise woman will heed carefully what he has to say. Listen, my friend, because he has something so much better 
than mere possessions, than mere money. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy possessions. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard and save and invest and 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 grow in areas. But there's a very fine line between enjoying the things of this world and them controlling us. And it all comes down to the condition of our hearts. We can be greedy and maybe others won't know, no one else will know about it, but you would know because the Holy Spirit loves you too much to allow you to continue into greed. And that's one of the reasons why I think in God's providence, you're listening to this message. Well, let's move on. And he told them, verse 16, a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. Verse 17, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do? Since I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say, verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? And here's the climactic verse, my friends. Verse 21, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? And in fact, this is a wide open invitation from Jesus to be rich toward God. How can you be rich toward God? Well, I'll mention that at towards the end of this broadcast. Well, I'll mention more, but let me just simply say, in Jesus' parable of the sower, which is in Luke 8, it's in Matthew 13, it's in Mark 4, it's the man or the woman or the young person who devours the word of God and lives by it that is rich. His life grows a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. That's 10,000%, 6,000%, 3,000%. It brings glory and honor to God when we grow spiritually in maturity and that when we are rich toward God. But that means, my friends, that we have to orient his our lives toward his word and in prayer and in worship and in obedience. Now, in the background of this message, John MacArthur points out that farmers, and this should be obvious, and that's an agricultural society, just like many of you live in an agricultural society, farmers are dependent for their success on circumstances and factors beyond their control. 
And so they should be exceedingly grateful to God for his providential control of the, over those factors, namely rain and good soil. But instead of, of thinking of what he could do to express his gratitude to God, he began reasoning to himself. As a matter of fact, the brilliance of this parable is that Jesus has this man referring to himself 15 times in only, what, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, in only four verses. He refers to himself 15 times and never once does he mention God, not one time. William Barclay illustrates this passage that we just read with this. He says there's a story of a conversation between a young and ambitious young man and an older man who knew life. The young man said, the young man said, I will learn my trade. And then said the older man, I will set up my business. And then I will make my fortune. And then, well, I suppose that I'll grow old and retire and live on my money. And then said the old man, well, I suppose that someday I'll die. And then came the last stabbing question. The man who never remembers that there is another world is destined someday for the grimmest of grim shocks. That's what God meant by calling this rich man a fool. He was a moral fool because he he prepared, he lived only for this world with no thought toward God. And that is how most people in the world live their lives. And it's really poverty of spirit. They're poor spiritually speaking. And they don't prepare for eternity. And when they die, and if they're not right with God through Jesus Christ, their sins have not been forgiven, then they will spend an eternity outside of heaven in hell. And it's their own fault because they were greedy for the things of this world and not hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Where are you, my friend, today? Now, at some level, though, Jesus doesn't address them directly or by name. This parable that he gives in response to the greedy brothers certainly includes them, but it's also a warning to his disciples against greed, as it is to all who are listening. You know, I think it, it just must bring the greatest level of anger to God at how many preachers, pastors, leaders of churches are greedy, greedy for fame, greedy for more money, greedy for women. And so they are those who don't even read a passage like this and obey it. Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. I hope there are 
preachers and pastors and leaders of churches that are listening to this broadcast. And I urge you to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your life so that you can see whether you are in good standing with God or not. My friend, if you're leading churches, your heart has to be right. My heart has to be right. And the only way that can happen is by getting in God's Word on a daily basis, praying, cultivating sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, being honest and open with Him, and humble enough to live a lifestyle of repentance. One commentator, Joel Green, helpfully tells us that, quote, greed can denote the hunger for advanced social standing, as well as the insatiable desire for wealth. Though in Luke's world, these two images are intricately related. The fact that this man referred to himself 15 times in this brilliant parable led William Barclay to write, he never saw beyond himself. And that, my friends, is what defines a fool. A fool, in God's eyes, lives only for himself and only for this life and doesn't prepare for eternity. Are you prepared for eternity? Then Barclay added again in, in his commentary, he writes, It was said of a self-centered young lady, Edith lived in a little world, bounded on the north, south, east, and west by Edith. And the Romans had a proverb which said that money was like seawater, ocean water. The more a man drank, the thirstier he became. Where are you at, my friend? Is your heart centered on the Word of God? Are you growing in Christ? Are you getting more and more of the Word of God in your life so that you can become rich toward God? I'll never forget, as long as I live, I was innocently on a prayer walk at a place called Rancho San Antonio in Los Altos, California, back in the 1990s. I used to go there on prayer walks all the time. And as I was walking up a hill, heading back towards the parking lot, concluding my walk, I suddenly blurted out to God, I feel like a multi-multi-millionaire, spiritually speaking. Now, this is in the center of one of the wealthiest areas in the world, the Silicon Valley, where that is massive amounts of high-tech companies and, and lots of expensive cars and lots of expensive homes, but very few people concentrating their relationship on God. They are like this rich man, living only for only to impress others, only to living only for this world. 
John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, led others by example throughout his life. His rule of life was to save all he could and give away all he could. And when he was a student at Oxford, he had an income of about 30 British pounds a year. That's not much. He lived on 28 pounds and gave two pounds away. When his income increased to 60 pounds, then 90 pounds, then 120 pounds, would you believe he still lived on 28 pounds and gave the balance away? The man, William Barclay, writes, who never remembers that there is another world, is destined someday for the grimmest of shocks. My friend, who are you living for? What are you living for? If it's not for Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. This parable has you in mind. What will you do with it? Are you classified as a moral fool in God's eyes? Because your life, your practices, your words demonstrate that you deny God, that you're your own authority, that you assume that you answer to no one but yourself. What's gripping to me is the Greek word that Luke uses that is translated required in verse 20. When God says, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. You know, it was a word that was used to refer to the collection of a loan. My friends, the reality is that this man's life and his success, they were on loan to him by God. If it wasn't for his blessing, this rich landowner never would have been successful. But being successful, he never thought to ask to thank God. He never thought to be generous. But he was greedy for more, and that is what drove his life. Heed carefully these words from the Apostle James about making any plans in your life without first seeking God. James writes in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, verse 15, he says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Verse 17, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do, and does not do it, to him it is sin. Where do you stand today, my friend? Where do you stand before God regarding this message?
And so to the future leaders of his church, Jesus gives this parable especially to teach them, to warn them against greed and human fame and quote-unquote success, and instead point them to the true value in life to be rich toward God. That, my friends, is a blank check. It is an open opportunity. You can be as rich toward God as you want to be. But you have got to pursue God with all that you have. And and yes, many who are listening to this broadcast, you have jobs to go to, and, and God wants you to save money, and he wants you to invest money, and he wants you to use it wisely, and he wants you to take breaks and enjoy things. But do you put him first? I once saw a bumper sticker on a car that said, You have time for God if you put him first. There's a vast difference between enjoying the things that God richly supplies to us in enjoying his creation, in enjoying recreation or hobbies or events or places to go to and making an idol of these things. Where are you at today, my friend? The best way to apply this message uh, is to ask the Holy Spirit and be honest with him. Ask him to reveal to you any greed in your life that makes you poor, spiritually speaking, because you continually seek satisfaction in this world instead of growing deeper and richer toward God. And if there is anything, then repent of your sin. Ask God the Father to forgive you and then replace the time that you've wasted by investing time in God's presence, in his word, in prayer, in praise and worship and obedience. I've told you these things, my friends, because I love you and care for you. And far more importantly, God loves you and cares for you. Now, I'm going to give an opportunity. For those of you who are not right with God, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But today that can change and it can change through a simple prayer right this minute. And all you have to do is be sincere and mean it in your heart. And I'll pray with you right now. And I'd like you to pray with me these words. Are you ready? Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I have not lived my life for you, and I need you. And so, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me a brand new person, and I will live for you, and I will serve you all the days of my life. I surrender my life to you. Live your life in me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you that I belong to you. Now, let me pray for you, Father, for every single person that prayed that prayer. 
May the power of God come upon them, visit them, strengthen them, get them deeply in your word and into a Bible teaching church. In Jesus' name, we ask, amen and amen. And then let me just pray for needs in that in the listening audience. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would release the gifts of healings in bodies all over this audience, that you would heal bodies of sickness and disease all over this listening audience. I believe the Holy Spirit is pouring out his power upon you physically. And and Father, we've been speaking of greed, but there are legitimate needs, as you know. Would you meet every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. God bless you, my friends. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.